Well, welcome to week number one of our series. We're calling Christmas at His Place. And, and you know, th- it's, we're going to have a great time in this little mini-series here this month. But i got a question for you. Has anybody ever struggled to enjoy Christmas? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think we all have at some point or another. Uh, as a kid, I love I loved Christmas. Two reasons. No school and gifts. And then one year I got socks, and that kind of ruined Christmas for me for a while. But no, I needed them, so it was all right. Um, but, you know, at the same time, even as a kid, it was really busy. And there was a lot going on. You know, you have, you have to learn all the Christmas music because I was in the choir. And then and you have to learn your part in, a, in a, either a school Christmas play and, and a church Christmas program and all of that. And so, so yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a mix even as a child. But then you get to be an adult. And, uh, you know, it's just not the same anymore, right? Uh, you know, I remember being, being uh, you know, here and, and there was holidays and different things. I think I always made it home for Christmas while I was single. But, but, you know, there was times you couldn't be with family. So if you're single this Christmas, you might just think, oh, you know, I can't get to family. It's just going to be a hard, a hard time. Um, and honestly, as a dad, I often, a young dad, I often struggled with Christmas, you know, because we wanted the kids to be filled with joy. But it was a lot of, a lot of hassle. And then along came Amazon. Uh, no, <laughs> I think that changed more than we think it changed things. But uh, the reality was, you know, you got this budget pressure and you're just trying to figure it out. And so it hasn't always been um, a, a great season for, for every one of us. We, Christmas hasn't always been great. And I think it's really hard for a lot of people. In fact, um, over the Christmas season, holiday, you know, kind of Thanksgiving to Christmas into the New Year, is one as a, a time where a lot of mental health challenges really spike because people are struggling and they're discouraged and they're trying to figure out. You know, I, I you know I thought a year from now I'd be in a different place, and here I am at the same place I was a year ago. And so, I, I just want to encourage you if you're struggling, it's okay. Amen. I want to encourage you to, to stay connected. Stay connected here at his place. Stay connected to that circle of relationships that gives you life, okay? And, and not the ones that steal your life. Get, get away from that. Um, but man, let our prayer partners pray for you after service today. Let them minister to you. Let them encourage you. And, uh, and, and you're not alone. We're in this together, and we're going to walk this out as a church. Amen? Amen. Amen. But I, but I can tell you things changed. Right now, in, in this season, these last few years, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. In fact, in October, you know, a few years ago when they put the Christmas decorations out in September, I was like, you're wrong. You just need to stop that. That's just messing with my whole fall, right? And uh, now I'm like, oh, yeah, we get to. I, in October, I was thinking, I wonder when we can listen to Christmas music. And then it dawned on me this week, I've been so busy, I've been listening to worship stuff, I hadn't turned any Christmas music on. I said, I'm not going to miss it, because I'm the guy that wakes up on December 27th and says, I'd like to listen to some Christmas music. And it's all off the radio, right? You can't, you can't listen to it anywhere. So, but here's the thing that really changed it for me. One day, I realized that every year around Christmas, millions of people get to hear the story of Jesus through Christmas carols. Even in stores that, you know, you, you wouldn't think they'd be playing Christmas carols, but they are, and they're singing of Jesus, and, and it's just a wonderful opportunity. So it has changed my whole perspective on, on, on Christmas and, and what it's about and all of that. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about the idea of the purpose of Christ's birth, which we celebrate at Christmas. And so I think when we understand why 
Jesus came and was born, and we get, we, we get the, mean, the, the, the purpose behind it, then what's going to happen is every time we hear of Christmas, we can, we can say, yes, I'm celebrating Christ's birth, and I know why I'm celebrating. I know why this is important. And so, um, you know, I want to start today because I got to give you some background. Before this will make sense, I'm going to call it vital history. I want to say vital history. Amen. So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. And I want to encourage you to take notes, write this stuff down. Um, this is something you're going to want to hold on to because um, I, I'm going to be a teacher this morning a little bit. And uh, I'm going to go through a lot of things. So just stay with me. There is a reason. We're going to get to the purpose at the end. But I got to lay a little foundation. Here's Genesis 1:26. God had just created Adam. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Everyone say dominion. Over the fish of the sea, all you fishermen wish that was a little more powerful in your life. Over the birds of the air, all the hunters, right? And over the cattle and over all the earth. And look at this and underlined it. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God not only thought it, but he spoke it as an instruction to Adam. Amen? Amen. So now follow me as we unpack this a little bit. Here's the first thought, or the first question. Who did God put in charge of the earth? Adam, which by generational succession includes us. We're his descendants, his Adam and Eve's descendants, right? So, so Adam was given dominion on the earth. And so God put those of us who, who are a spirit, have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and live in a body, um, he, he put us in charge. This is really important. In other words, when God said those words, he gave every descendant of Adam and Eve legal authority on this planet. Okay. So God entrusted earth to mankind knowing the responsibility would drive us on uh, into dependence on him. In other words, we couldn't handle it. Adam proved that right out of the gate, right? And so what does that mean for us? It's, it means that we're responsible for what happens on the earth. Now, all of us are responsible for for. What, what happens on the earth in this way? We're not powerless. We're responsible. So we've got to get rid of kind of a victim mindset and say, I, I'm responsible. God's holding me accountable and responsible as a descendant of Adam. Now, to be really clear, we all have an area of responsibility. I'm not responsible for every decision you make, you nor you for me, right? And that extends outwardly from, from there. But, you know, uh, for our students that may be watching, you know, or, or here in person, you know, it's not the teacher's responsibility to give you a good grade. Amen. It's your responsibility to study. Amen. Pay attention to class. Actually show up in class, right? So we, we got, we, we've got to get clear where the responsibility lies. By the way, when you get this principle in your life and in your family, it is freeing. Yeah. Amen? So... We're responsible for our thoughts, for our emotions, which, by the way, flow from your thoughts, our words, our actions, and so much more. 
we're also responsible for what we tolerate in our lives. What we, allow, what, what we allow to play in, in our homes, what we listen to, not just that way, but, but the things that we don't address out of a fear or lack of knowledge or some of us just purposely trying to ignore it, hoping it goes away. We're still responsible. Turn to somebody and say, tell them, you're responsible. Now, that's important as you'll soon, soon see. So, because somebody is holding us responsible. Yeah. Who's that? That's God. God's holding us responsible. And so when God delegated responsibility, he also delegated with that responsibility authority. Okay? So God must hold us responsible based on his delegated authority to us in order to have the legal right to reward us. Does that make sense? So, so he delegate, delegated responsibility, also authority, and that then gives him, gives him because we, we have re, things we're responsible for and have the power to do it. Therefore, he can reward us when we do it the right way and live for him. So the good news is that by giving us responsibility for what happens on the earth, like I said, he can then reward us with eternal life when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Okay. This decision we make by taking responsibility gives us a relationship with God and allows us to have entrance into heaven, right? I know I'm teaching this morning, but y'all with me? All right. And so then he can reward us for the good that we do in his name, all right? Now, what are we responsible for? I've kind of said it, but we're responsible for, for our own future. We're responsible for the choices that we make that take us down in, into our future. Um, we're responsible for what happens in the earth within our area of responsibility. We should all feel a sense of responsibility for what happens in Spring Klein, Tomball, or wherever you're watching from. Because this is, this is our area. This is our community. And, and we're also responsible for how we respond to what happens to us. We can't control everything that happens to us, but we are responsible and we have authority to, to determine how we're going to respond to that. Amen? Amen. So, y'all with me? Amen. All right. So what does God giving us legal authority on earth mean for God? What does that mean? I, I think, first of all, it means that his heart breaks for the mess we typically make of our lives. Right? He's like, man, I wish they would have chosen different, right? But the big thing is that when God gave Adam authority on the earth, listen to this, this is, this is pivotal, this is key. It meant that anyone who f wants to function legally on earth must have a body. Yeah. To function legally, there's the illegal functioning, but to function legally on the earth in spiritual law terms, in God's eyes, they've got to have a body. So operating in the earth requires some form of humanness to have that legal authority. So let's, let's continue the story. We all know Adam and Eve sinned, right? Why did Adam and Eve sin? Stupid, ignorant, wanted to make our lives miserable. You know, and come up with a lot of reasons, right? You know, I, I've heard women say, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to have a conversation with Eve. You know? But the reason Adam and Eve sinned 
is because they were given an opportunity because Satan also needed a body. Satan needed a body. He, had, he needed a body to work through in the earth in order to in, exert influence and authority in the earth. He needed a body. Okay? So the Bible says he took on the form of a serpent, and we know that he deceived Eve, right? Eve was deceived, but God laid the sin at the door of Adam. Why? It's the sin of Adam. It's not, the Bible doesn't talk about the sin of Eve. All the women said, whew. No, it was the sin of Adam. Why, why is the sin of Adam? Because Adam abdicated his direct assignment from God, which was to have dominion over everything, including the creeping things. Which is how Satan came to Eve. Eve was deceived, but Adam didn't stop the serpent from deceiving Eve. And he must have been pretty close by because she said, here's the fruit. Right? He didn't stop the conversation. All right? So that's important. Adam let it happen. Now, therefore, Adam was responsible for sin entering the earth. Okay? So what happened when Adam sinned? Legal, domin legal dominion to rule the earth was transferred from Adam to Satan. There was a legal transfer. So Satan became the ruler of this world. He said, I don't know about that. Look at it, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, doesn't get much clearer than that, has blinded the mind of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who was the exact likeness of God. That's a Christmas verse. Right here, the middle of 2 Corinthians. Which is why the war for your worship and your life is so intense. Okay? Satan needs someone to control to get his agenda accomplished. And God must also work through a body. Okay? Isn't it interesting that we are called as believers the body of Christ? Y'all getting this? This is good, right? So remember this. Whenever we've refused to take our rightful authority and responsibility spiritually, we give Satan access. Y'all agree with that? He's got access. Now, that authority that we have comes from our relationship to Jesus. So we've got to be dependent on God, right? We don't have it just because we're human. We have it because we're in right relationship with God. That's what, that's what gives us that authority. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, so, but just stay with me. So what's the big deal for Satan and for God in all of this? No people, no rights. No people, no rights. Now, hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to it in just a little bit. So I, I, I need to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. Y'all with me this morning? Y'all enjoying this? Yeah. Amen. So, so let's talk about this idea because I'm going to mess with you. It's right here in Christmas. I'm going to mess with you this morning. You ready? What about the idea that God is in control? How many times you said it? Well, God's in control. 
I see it on your, your Facebook feed, your social media. God's in control. God's in control. If you've heard it once, you've probably heard it a thousand times. Right? It's actually not biblical and not true. God's not in control. Now some of you, are, you're, you're going off the rails right here. Just, just hold with me here for a little bit. Amen? See, Genesis, the book of Genesis records that God told us we were to have dominion over the earth. But yet we, so we go about and we say, well, God's in control. So what are we doing? We're abdicating our responsibility in many cases, right? So, so let me clarify. Here's why. It matters when it comes to the birth of Jesus. I'm going someplace with this. So if God was in control... Jesus would not have had to be born the way he was born. Okay? Stay with me. God is all powerful, but he's not all controlling. Okay? One of the names of God is El Shaddai, God Almighty. It does not mean God all controlling. All right? In Genesis 1, though, God delegated. I, you say, well, Pastor, you're repeating yourself. I want to make sure you get it. Amen. In Genesis 1, God delegated authority and responsibility to humans, to people, to us, right? God delegated authority and responsibility to us. So what is Satan trying to do? He's constantly trying to control, manipulate, and yes, even possess people. Amen. Why? Because according to the laws God put on the earth, Satan also needs a body to operate through. So why do you, why do you think it, you always have to fight, you, you know, to, to just take ground spiritually? You got to fight. to. Come. I'm not saying you have to fight on your way to church. I'm just saying there's a fight sometimes to get to church. Right? There's always something that comes up. It always looks like something, something good is good. You know, there's going to be so much fun. And you always leave, it was fun, but it's a little disappointing. You know? Why, why do you think when, when somebody says, that, let's pray, you go, man, I'm tired. Whew. You get your Bible out and you go to read three verses in, you're sawing logs. Man, you're snoring. You're just out. Why is that? Because the enemy is always fighting. In fact, for most people, it seems harder to live for God than it was to live for the devil. This seems like it's always an uphill fight. And that's because Satan is resisting you in an attempt to control you. Because he need, to have legal authority, he has to have somebody that he controls. Because if he can control you and enough of us, he can control the earth. So this battle, this, this war going on, if you will. So the problem is that whatever Satan touches is eventually destroyed. God is a source of light, life. There, Satan actually doesn't have any life other than what he steals from you. I mean, he exists, but he gets his, you know, whatever. He, he gets that power, he gets that authority by taking ours. Remember, remember how it used to sit, seem fun to do what the devil wanted you to do? Yeah. <laughs> it, just seemed, oh, it just seemed to be great. Then all of a sudden that temptation that, that, he, that you gave into, all of a sudden it becomes something you absolutely needed. In fact, some, for some people it becomes that addiction. It just becomes that thing that drives them and controls them. And then that, whatever that thing was, and it, I'm not talking just substance, but it just could be whatever drives you or controls you, it begins to steal your life, your family, your future. 
Because Satan, he doesn't want a little control. He wants absolute control. He's trying to overthrow God. So when does Satan's control stop? Good question, right? When does it stop? Well, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we surrender, when we make him not just our savior to forgive our sins, but when we make him the Lord to lead our life, I want to follow you. In other words, that decision is really huge because what you're saying is, God, I want you to be Lord. I want you to be leader of my life. Amen. I want you to give me that direction. I want to, what you, whatever you say to, to do, Lord, that's what I want to do. That's when we get back the authority over the enemy, right? To overpower Satan and all of his tactics. Problem is most of us don't know it. So I'm bringing you a Christmas message today, right? Again, Satan wants to control you so he has legal access to rule the, the earth. But I love God. You love God? Amen. God did something Satan never saw coming. In fact, though, God told him about it, but Satan didn't get it. All right? And so since God himself had to work through humans, God, exi God exists with a self-imposed limitation of authority on the earth, which means that this is big. If you get nothing from today, get this. God can only intervene when he's invited into a situation by mankind. Which is why, remember the Christmas, you say, well, when are we going to get to Christmas? I'm coming, just, just, just hold on. Remember in Luke 1, it's actually verse 38, where the angel came to Mary and said, hey, you're going you're to have a child and you're going to give birth to the Son of God. Remember, remember that whole, whole conversation? It was essential, but God didn't control it. It was essential that Mary said, I am, and this, this is a quote from that verse, I am the Lord's servant. May every, everyone... Everything you have said about me come true. That was, that was important because basically in that moment, she invited the Holy Spirit to come do what needed to be done for her to give birth to a, a, a child, a virgin birth, if you will, right? So, which is also why in God's eyes, availability is more important than ability, he didn't come to some queen. He came to Mary, who was this poor woman engaged to be married to Joseph. And he knew she was going to say yes. She, he didn't control it, but he knew it. All right? Because he's all-knowing. Now, so the important thing is here in this passage is that we've got, it's really vital what we invite God into. Amen. You know when he connects some dots to you? That's why I'm so proud of every one of you here watching, you, you here uh, online as well. Because what you're saying is, God, I'm inviting you into my time this week by being in church and giving you the first of my week. Amen. We like that. That's right. Amen. It's also why it's important to give the tithe the first 10% to God. Amen. Thought maybe I'd have fewer amens on that, but y'all did pretty good on that one. <laughs> Amen? Because here's what happens. When you willingly invite God into your life by giving him the tithe, you're saying, come in, and I give you legal right to come work in my finances. You get that? Isn't that awesome? So, so God will not lead your life until you invite him to lead. 
trusting him for salvation, trusting him and giving, all of those things with your time, it all takes faith. Different kinds of faith, but it takes faith. So without a legal invitation into our situations, God is limited in what he can do. I think sometimes when we say, God, why didn't you? God's looking at us saying, why didn't you? Now, let me connect another dot. That's why we also, are one of our values here and one of our pieces of our vision is we pray first. Why do we pray first? See, before you got here this morning, there was a dream team huddle that we prayed over this service. Why did we do that? Because when we did that, we, we invited God in and we gave him a legal right to operate in this environment, in your life. And that's the, also the same reason we begin the year, January 2nd, we begin 21 days of prayer and fasting because we're saying at the beginning of this year, God, we're inviting you in to intervene in our lives and in spiritual places and in natural places and we're just taking the time to set aside these 21 days and we're going to spend time with you. We're going to worship you. We're going to pray. We're going to invite you in. Amen? Because how many know there's things that only God can do? Amen. But he's got to be invited in. Amen? So does that all make sense? Yeah. All right. Let's, let's go on now and let's rediscover the purpose of Christ's birth. Let me give you three thoughts. Here's the first purpose. God cannot break his word. God cannot break his word. Hebrews 6.18 says, it is impossible for God to lie. All right? So when, when, when God gave mankind dominion and gives us responsibility for our lives, he cannot break his word. That's his word, right? So this delegated authority also makes us, get this, responsible for the penalty of our own sin. Hang on to that thought. So to get access to the earth, Satan stole the body of the serpent to appear in an earth form to Eve. That was Genesis 3, okay? And like I said, when Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed the snake's body, right? And God could, and here's the other thing, God cursed the snake's body and God could no longer dwell on earth with mankind because it was now corrupted. Okay? But he said something. You ever been in a situation and you wanted to give a parting shot? I mean, you just wanted to say something? Just put it out there. How many of you have gone ahead and done it? How many it always worked out in your best interest? No. But with God it does because he cannot lie. So in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, after all that went on, here's what we read. God said, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. That's way more than your descendants are going to hate snakes. And my grandmother Bless her heart. She had a garden, and she'd get garter snakes, those garden snakes in there, whatever those little snakes are. And even though they're good for her, she'd all be out there with a hoe. You know, I could just, she didn't do it, but I could just kind of see her swinging the hoe. You know, she was, she was about to take out a whole bunch of snakes. She hated snakes. But that's not what this is about. What God was doing is he was prophesying, prophesying he was foretelling what we celebrate as Christmas, the birth of Jesus. Look at what the next part of the verse says. And he, Jesus, will strike your head and you, Satan, will strike his heel. 
okay? So listen to this. Here's what, here's what God was telling Satan. A descendant of the woman is coming to strike your head. What does that mean? I'm going to take your authority. Because of Adam's sin, you got authority, but there's somebody going to come and he's going to take back that authority. And, and Satan, the woman you use is going to provide for me a physical body. I'm going to dwell in her physically with a body and I'm going to have a body that's going to make me legal. All right? And I'm going to have a legal position to crush your head, Satan, legally and take back the power you stole from the human race legally. And give it back to them legally. Amen. And I'm going to give them the authority you stole from them over the earth legally. Isn't that awesome? Amen. That don't get you fired up and loving Christmas. Nothing else will. This was all part of God's plan. Yeah, I know we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas, but it means something. Amen. By the way, there's a side note here. That's why Jesus could be raised from the dead. After his death, he had all authority. He didn't have that before. Revelation 1 says he went, took, went, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the enemy. Right? So he, he needed a body to break in on man. Otherwise, God would break his word. So you, what you see here is that God's holiness caused Christ to be sent. He had to do it right. His integrity made it necessary for the virgin to have a child. He needed a body, but he couldn't be born of a man, so he needed to work a miracle. It had to be without sin because the sin was laid on Adam, and if, if it was through relations between a man and a woman, that sin would have entered that child. So in Genesis 3.15, he, he says, through this woman, I'm going to fix you, Satan. I'm going to put enmity. What does that mean? Irreconcilable hostility. All right? Christ is coming through this woman, and he's going to be your worst nightmare. He's saying, what I designed her to do, you can never change. Because he designed her, ladies, you know this, he designed her to have a child in the way that the blood of the child never mixes with the blood of the, parent, of the mother. Pure. God was saying, when I was designing the woman, I was making preparations to redeem mankind. Is this swelling your heart? Do you, do you sense? Isn't this amazing? This was the reason why. God became human because he needed to keep his word. He could not come onto this planet without a body. He would have violated his own promise. That's the first purpose. Keep his word. Here's the second. God is just. God had to live out being just. Why? Because God is holy. God does not have holiness. He is holiness. He has integrity because he is holy. He cannot lie because he is holy. Whatever he says, he has to make sure that it's done. He follows through. He's a person of his word. Psalm 916 says, The Lord is known for his justice. The wicked are trapped by their own deeds. So what, God, what does God do? He creates Adam. He puts him in the garden. And then God says, work, cultivate, replenish, protect, subdue, obey my command, and don't eat from that tree. And then he says, the day that you eat from that tree is the day you will surely die. 
In other words, if you disobey me, you're surely going to die. Death will come. God is saying, this is my word to myself. You have to die if you break this word. Guess what? We already said it. Man broke the word. God has to be holy still. So God says, if he doesn't die, I'm a liar. See, do you get this? When you understand the integrity of God, you begin to understand the judgment of God. So God is holy. So if you're evil, God has to make sure you reap evil, listen carefully, unless he reaps it for you. Right? So can we, aren't you thankful Jesus came? That he's born? Amen? Because without it, our sins would cause us to be sentenced to death. But because God sent Jesus to be born as a child and later to die in our place, there is a way out. There is a way out. It's a big deal because God's justice requires payment for sin, but God loves us so much that he legally got Jesus to die on the cross in our place. The greatness of God. Isn't that incredible? Let me give you one more. It's tied. We've already mentioned it. God is love. First John 4, 16 says God is love. Again, he doesn't have love. He is love. Because God loves us, because God is love, he has to do what he says because his love never fails, he said in 1 Corinthians 13. So because God knew man would fall, he made preparations. I love this. Generations ahead of time for redemption and the way of salvation. He predicted it, prophesied it, and followed through on it. Amen. Promised to come. And then he did. You, I, I just, just take a moment. You think it's, how many think it's complicated to be you sometimes? Imagine being God. All this stuff, all the things he created by his word and, and following through to make sure that he does not lie to us. It's incredible. To make sure he loves us, to make sure he's just. Why did he do all that? Because he loves you. Because he, he loves you that are online. Amen. He loves you. That's why he did it all. It's, it's incredible. John 4, 1, 14 says this. So the word became human, the birth of Jesus, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus had to come in human form. He had to be born of a virgin so that there was no taint of sin from man. And yet at the same time, he had to go to the cross to take our sins. Because of Adam, there's two deaths, the spiritual and the physical. In order for God to be faithful, Jesus had to experience both. In order, in essence, God said, I love my children. I don't want them to die. Instead of them dying, I'm going to die in their place. Merry Christmas, everyone. When Adam and Eve disobeyed the gar in the garden, God had to step away from humans. Spiritual death. Even though it took over 900 years for Adam's body to die. He was dead spiritually immediately. In order for God to be just, his justice had to be perfect. It had to be complete. That's why Romans 3.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. If you're a sinner, 
You must die twice, spiritually, when God really forsakes you, and physically, when we're put into the earth. So God had to come in a body, had to forsake himself, even if it was briefly, because all of our sins was put on Jesus, and he was taken from among the living. You know what the loudest cry, the greatest cry on the cross was? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, we were born not knowing God's presence. Jesus died not having God's presence. And he did it for the first time in his existence, and he did it because he loved you and he loved me. That's why he did it. So the purpose of the birth of Jesus, among other things, was because God cannot break his word. God is just and God is love. So this year, whatever Christmas looks like, whatever this season feels like to you, I, I just think that if you know why Jesus came, you may, you, you may be fed up with all the, all the commer, uh, commercialization of Christmas. But you can get to the heart. You can get to the essence of Christmas and Christ's birth and you can celebrate and you can enjoy it because he came for you. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. When we remember the birth of Christ, I think we can have joy. Amen? Just be grateful for what Jesus has done and it'll be amazing, amazing season. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you. Father, I pray for just today that we would have clarity of understanding of how much you care for us. So you sent Jesus. Father, I thank you that Jesus came in human form to redeem us. To redeem us. We don't have to die spiritually. We don't have to remain dead spiritually. We can come alive by faith and trust in you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're sitting here in person. You say, you know, I, I, I've asked Jesus to forgive my sins, but I've never truly asked him to lead my life. I've never invited him to be the Lord, the, the, the master, the leader of my life. And I'd like to do that today. Because, again, until he's invited in, he's limited. And so this morning... We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to ask Jesus to come in to lead our lives. And if you'd like to do that, pray it out loud with those of us who have. And, uh, and maybe you're also sitting here today and you're, you're saying, you know, I, I gave my life to Jesus or I, I went through a season, but I've kind of just walked away. This would be a perfect day to come back and just surrender it all to him again. Let's pray this together. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to make me a new person from the inside out. God, I turn away from that old life and I turn to you. I believe that Jesus came to earth to forgive my sins. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate that this